Hey, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in again to the Noggin Notes podcast. My name is Jake Wiskirchen, and I'm your host. Before we uh, get too deep into this, uh, I assume you noticed that this is a little bit longer podcast this episode. It's because Jesse Lott, uh, Zephyr Wellness's clinical supervisor, and I took some time to go in-depth on the topic of content versus process. I think you'll really enjoy it, and I think it'll shift a your perception about what we discuss and how we discuss it and the meaning behind certain things. So um, I hope you enjoy it. And I'm going to take a couple seconds here to give a a nod to Zephyr Wellness, my company that uh, so graciously offers my time and talent to do these podcasts so that you can benefit from it. Check out ZephyrWellness.org for more. You can also check out the Zephyr Wellness YouTube channel and uh, follow us on Twitter or Facebook. And finally, there's an event going on in January in Bristol in the UK, and it's a taboo nightclub. It's to support Mind for Better Mental Health uh, organization. It's mind.org.uk is their web address. They're a nonprofit that uh, supports mental health improvement. And the event is 24 Hours of House Music for Better better Mental Health. You can find them on Facebook just by typing that in, 24, the number, 24 hours of house music for better mental health and it's going to be a pretty exciting show i can tell you that i dj'd for about 16 or 17 years uh, both amateur and professionally and trying to produce music for an entire evening is is pretty challenging producing it for an entire day straight has got to be just insane and um, i i really commend the the folks who are putting this together uh, you're going to get uh, Band Jacks and Funk Agenda resident Craig Brown with uh, with some dance floor support for the for the whole time. So I mean, there's going to be people dancing and there's going to be music the whole time. And um, it, I really encourage checking them out. You can donate at justgiving.com/slash/24hoursofhousemusic, or you can, if you want to attend, you can go to skiddle.com s-k-i-d-d-l-e and get your tickets there. But check out the the Facebook event. Um, DJing for 24 straight hours is is not easy, and I really appreciate that that they're putting this together to help encourage awareness. Uh, mental health. Uh, my my personal uh, belief is that mental health, when I'm long and retired, you know, 30 or 40 years from now, should be as easy to talk about as your physical health. Uh, I have no qualms about sitting in a waiting room in my orthopedist's office discussing the particulars of my ACL repair, but for some reason sitting in the counseling office, people don't want to talk about their anxiety or their depression or their bipolar disorder, and I think that's just wrong. I think that holds people back. I think it prevents us from getting the help that we need, and let's face it, um, one in four of us is going to struggle with something diagnosable in the mental illness realm for yeah, at some point in our lives. So um, let's just embrace it. I mean, embrace it for what it is. The mind is expansive and uh, bizarre and mysterious and deep and full of promise and potential for all things great and terrible. So let's just embrace that and acknowledge that not every moment of our lives is going to be perfect. And if we need to level up to the to the state where we need professional help, Go get it. I'm one of those professionals who likes to help, and uh, I encourage people to, to reach out and make the conversation a little bit more casual. So if 24 Hours of House Music does that, then by golly, let's get it done. Thanks for tuning in. This is uh, Noggin Notes, content versus process. Talking about content versus process, and 
The concept is uh, is very, very important to the counseling dynamic. And I'll let you talk because I've been talking and people are tired of my voice. Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but... Uh, you yeah. should. You should call me out on that. <laughs> Point out your blind spot. Thank you. That's another thing we got to talk about is the Johari window. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, if... if if there's any there's there's a number of things that I find foundational when I'm working with a with a couple or a family, uh, or even an individual. Uh, one of them is content and process. Now you mentioned content versus process, and I don't want to I don't want to be a stickler with words, <clears throat> but I there the concept is that these are two things that combined uh, make up communication. True, with, true. With, okay, true. they're not binary. They're not binary. They're not. They, they are both and so. Uh, to give a definition of what the two are, um, content and process are two foundational things that combine uh, together to create a communication dynamic. So when we're talking with somebody, we're usually talking about a thing. We're talking about, uh, so, you know, Lucy's down here. You know, Jake, That's my dog. That's his dog. We have so, a black lab. We're so, in the garage. So, the yeah, house. so we talk about Lucy. We talk about... Uh, you know what? You know what Jake likes to do with Lucy. You know, throw the frisbee or whatever. Um, I wish you were that talented. You know, right? Tennis ball. The tennis ball. Okay. Throw a tennis. So ball. you know, Lucy loves the tennis ball, and so if we're talking about Lucy and the tennis ball, that's all content stuff. So Lucy, you know, she'll get the tennis ball. She won't get the tennis ball. And if I if I if I ask Jake, so you know, when Lucy gets the tennis ball and she brings it back to you, you know, what's that like for you? You know, it's, it's a very counselory kind of question, but the idea is we're getting away from the content and we're getting into the process. So the thing is Lucy chasing the ball, bringing it back. And then if I say to Jake or I ask him, you know, what comes up for you when she brings the ball back and he's like, well, I'm, I'm pleased, I'm happy, it feels good. That's Jake's process. So in the counseling sense, when we're, when we're trying to help uh, a family or a couple uh, get closer to one another... We want to acknowledge what content is and what the process is because it can often be, the process can be can be dismissed or the content can be, uh, in in a certain way, kind of mistaken for the process. So, um, back to the kind of the definitional uh, point of this, if we can help people identify what is content, what is process, then when we can when we can get out of content, content being kind of on the surface process being more of underneath and i guess another way that i like to define this is process is something that that fuels the content it's underneath it's churning this is another word that i use so when we can speak from a process area your process my process what's going on for us then it helps our connection i think what i want to jump on here is that this doesn't necessarily have to be uh, multiple people in a session. I think I heard you say something about couples and families, but an individual can come into counseling and bombard the therapist or the counselor with content, 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 content. And that may look like somebody who comes in is in complete chaos. They're in emotional dysregulation. There's a ton of stuff going on in life. And it's just my neighbor this and my kids that and, the, and I burned the dinner and my job. And it, that's all content. And I don't want to undersell the idea that content is meaning meaningless or meaningful, I should no. say. I don't want to undersell that. So it's, um, it is meaningful. It absolutely matters. Your, your conflict with your neighbor matters. Your conflict with your kids matters. Your conflict with burning dinner absolutely matters. 
and then they can self-feed. The content of your life can feed the process by which you do stuff. But what we do in counseling is we want to we want to pierce through that surfacey layer of the things that go on and get into the meaning behind the things that go on. So why are you constantly in conflict? Why are you constantly in chaos? What's going on at home that that drives you into these uh, horrible dysfunctional relationships? Like what is it with you? And that is a depth of conversation that most people, you know, at the bar don't have. They don't have that at the barbecue when they're when they're grilling steaks and talking to their their friends and neighbors. So, in counseling, when we talk about content and process, the the work really centers on the process because that's where people really effectively make change. They don't make change simply by. Uh, altering their content, I can I can move homes and get away from my neighbor. Hmm. I can quit my job and t- and get away from my boss. I can disavow my kids once they reach eighteen and never talk to them. But really, I need to fix me, and that's a process issue. If I want to get along with people, stick it out through the tough times, and not simply be what we would call externalizing our focus, you know, blaming it on the outside and not not taking personal accountability. So process has to do with accountability too. Absolutely. There's and I, when you're talking about that, you were you reminded me of a client who, uh, she came in and she was talking about her relationship with another family member, and she was just un- unloading. You know, I'm I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. I want to say this and I want to say that, and I'm I'm afraid. I'm scared that he's gonna he's gonna react this way and he's gonna react that way, and I. And then what kind of key, you know, what the, the, the thing that she said that really kind of clued me into what was going on was she says, um, I don't want to say these things to him because I'm afraid of this reaction. And it, it dawned on me that it was what she was saying to me was exactly what she needed to say to him. She's huh. saying, I'm afraid of your, I, so instead of saying like, you know, I'm afraid of his reaction, I'm afraid of how he's going to respond. I turned it around and I said, well, what if you said it this way? I'm afraid of your reaction. I'm afraid of your response. This is the thing that's going on for her. This is the behind the scenes. This is this is behind the that's curtain the stuff. That's her process. This is what's going on behind the curtain. And I think that we oftentimes think we have to protect that. We can't show what's going on behind the curtain. We have to do the we have to we have to do this work behind the curtain and shuffle things around and try to reconcile and, and whatever. And then go out on stage and present the right thing. And I said, well, forget the curtain, forget the stage, just show him what's going on. This is where you're at and have that conversation. Say, you know what, honey, I'm, I'm scared that you're going to get mad at me because I don't have all the things to say. And I'm, I'm worried that you're going to get mad at me because this is my opinion. And I really want to connect with you. And I just don't want to have any more conflict. And I'm at wit's end. And it was just this, this, absolute vulnerability she just had this ultimate letting down of her walls and this vulnerability and she wasn't even talking about the thing that was bothering her it was it was it was totally you know it's kind of distracting it was distracting it was sort of superficial it was a thing but what she was talking about was her feelings and her experience and what was going on underneath the surface and my suggestion to her was just talk from there all it was almost like pretend like he's me 
just like you're talking to me. Because what, when you're talking to me, you're not worried about the judgment. You're not worried about all of this stuff. You're just speaking from the heart. Right, and and that's true. And there's no there's no act to perform. There's, there's no, no act. There's it's no genuine. Dance. There's no there's no second guessing. There's no uh, hypothesizing about the what ifs. Right. So it's then being you. right. So what what I would uh, there's there's another piece of this that's very important um, for her because it was just her. I said you need to now. You can take this chance. This is going to be a chance that you're going to take. That you're going to speak genuinely. You're going to speak this process level. You you have to acknowledge that he may not be in process. You're talking from process. He may go to content. You you know she's saying things like I just I'm worried about the things I'm I'm I, I want to say the right things and and whatever whatever it was and he may go right back to the content which was well you never called me back or. Well, it still bothers me when you don't, whatever the, the thing is. And for her to understand that he may do that, he may not also respond from a con, uh, from a process level. So ideally what we would have is two people speaking from a process level to where one person is taking that chance, being vulnerable, opening up and talking from their process and the other person being able to acknowledge that and then speak from their own process. That is ideal and it's and it's also not practical in many cases because if someone is uh at a place of better you know depth of self or maturity they can speak from that process because they have assessed and understand the risk and they're okay with it whereas somebody else that you know maybe the person they're communicating to has not wrestled with that and and is still got you know walls up or or is defensive or Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. and and one really good way that you can handle the difference between content and process when you're communicating is to take a what, what we would call and what uh, we, we're stealing this from a guy named uh, Dr. Christian Conti. You can look him up at drchristianconti.com. Uh, C-O-N-T-E is how you spell the last name. But he came up with a concept called the analytic self. And uh, the analytic self, if you can picture in your mind, there's uh, two circles uh, set uh, next to each other. And then uh, if you set them too close together, I invite you to pull them apart. So they're a few inches apart. There's two circles. One would be you, and the other is the person you're communicating with. Now, mentally draw a little dashed line off of you about 45 degrees down and put another circle. And in that circle, that's your analytic self. And what the analytic self does is it observes the conversation occurring between you and the other person. Or in the counseling world, it's the client and the therapist. The analytic self is a disinterested third party. It's almost like a a security camera where all you can hear is the audio and maybe the video is black and white. But it doesn't think. All it does is provide feedback. Similar to watching a video of that conversation you don't get any interpretation there all you get is the video you get the words you get the sounds you get the body language and if that analytic self is feeding back to the to the communicator you in this case who's doing the communicating and you your your analytic self is off to the side giving you feedback based on what the person is doing what you're doing what you're thinking what you can reasonably interpret as going on with the other person then that makes you a little bit more enlightened in order to communicate things like process without being uh, under the impression that you're putting yourself at risk for communicating the process. If you can make a disinterested third-party assessment of the situation, then you can say, well, it looks like, looks like what I'm saying is, is uh, firing this person up. 
Uh, it looks like I, I may be I may be pissing them off. Uh, I may be. Uh, uh, oh, look, they're crying. I don't know if that came from me, but I can at least acknowledge that they're crying. What you do is you take yourself out of your own head, and you're observing the conversation as though you don't have an investment in it, while simultaneously having an investment in the conversation because you're the one who's in it. And you want to pick your words carefully, and you want to you want to be mindful of what's being received. By the way, this is why, and I'm looking at Jesse now, and he's nodding. I said this is this is why therapy is so hard. It's exhausting because we should be constantly checking in with ourselves as well as the client while we're doing this communicating. It's uh, it's very mentally taxing to have that analytic self running all the time, but it's super beneficial. Sure, and, and to that I would say, you know, that's the process and speaking the process. So you you bring up a really good point about like this is exhausting. Or it can be exhausting, you know. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, oh man, I'm trying to I'm trying to speak from this analytical self, and I'm trying to I'm trying to honor where you're coming from, and I'm trying to get across mine. And ah, oh, you know, sometimes it's so hard. I'm trying to pick my words. I'm trying to get <clears throat> I'm trying to get accuracy with my words, and I'm just man, I'm just really tired, and I'm just yeah. I'm exhausted. That's all process, yep. and, and and that's all you know. When you can do that, and and when the foundation has been laid to where both people or a family of people and they can say what i'm going to do is i'm going to give you a little bit of space to be in process and it's sort of a free it's there's a sort of free association kind of you know uh what what is you know when you're rapping and you just kind of free rap freestyle freestyle it's kind of yeah. a freestyling kind of thing where you're just kind of talking you're speaking from the heart and just there's writing. no judgment there's, there's no, no judgment risk. you're not you're not stopping yep. and choosing your words correctly you know it's it's but what you're doing is it's not just it's not just kind of a a purging it's it's there is a little bit of accuracy it's there's intentionality there's in, thank you it's intentionality it's mindfulness this is where i'm coming from and this is what's going on for me and you take away the whole well i got to say the right thing i have mm-hmm. to pick my words mm-hmm. i have to do that because because it's not about the other person's response it's all your you it's about authentic it's about authenticity and when two people for example when two people can say okay you know, they, 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 they dust their hands off and they say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be two authentic people. I'm going to give you a little bit of space to be completely genuine. And you go. And the other person's like, all right, um, I'm really not a big fan of you right now. And I don't want to be anywhere near you. And I'm mad and I'm hurt. And I want to That's feel That's really offensive. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> well, you're, <laughs> I was trying to be subtle about that. But, uh, <laughs> and then the other person can go, well, okay, well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I hear that. And, you know, we can go on for a while on that. The idea being that when we can be purely authentic and genuine and allow the other person to to do that themselves, then we we really, really get into some we, we get to the problem. And, There's and no we, need for content at that point. The, we don't need to distract or go to the surface. Right. That the whole thing about the content is like insert problem here. Insert X problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's coming home late, it's drinking, whatever it is. And no matter what it is, we all have the same process. So um, when we can focus on the process and we can acknowledge the process of the other person, you know, what we were talking about the last time we did a podcast about um, connection. It helps the connection. Yes, it, it does. It, and this is not just, you know, a matter of, 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 of a, an intimate relationship. We can do this at work. You yeah. know, when, when we're, we can do this in any... In, all of our relationships, because they're all connections. And I think to to to, to put a little bow on it, uh, the idea is that it. And I don't. It's before I put the bow on it, I want to say this: content can be e- equally exhausting. 
uh, for clinicians who stay in content because they sit there and go, man, this person's just unloading on me and never changing and never evolving. It's almost like I'm wasting my time. Um, And for for individuals who get into conversations with each other strictly in content, it can be hard to keep up because you're, you're constantly doing this tap dance around what you think the other person wants and what you think you need to be for the other person. And that's exhausting too. So it's 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 much easier just to speak from a place of authenticity and be where you are. What's hard is trying to acknowledge that there's there may be a reaction to that because the other person is not in that place of authenticity. If we could all just be, we'd be fine. But to put a bow on it, I think the idea is that if if we can go out and if we can strive to see through people's content when whenever they're talking and and maybe it's not appropriate to hit them in the process area maybe it's not appropriate for the you know the the bartender mm-hmm. to uh he, you know hear some contenty stuff from the the patron and then go man it sounds like you're really sad today and then all of a sudden boom you're in the space of being a therapist but you got a bar full of people to serve mm-hmm. and one of them's crying because you 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 went to that process place maybe that's not appropriate but the idea is that if we can speak from a place of authenticity and cut through the content, then we're less likely to judge people on their behaviors because we're not seeing them as outward presentations. Or we're not seeing them as labels. We're not seeing mm-hmm. them as, as these things that are going on. We're seeing them as human beings with emotion, with process, uh, with, with authenticity on the, on the underside. And that takes an analytic self giving feedback. So it's not just all about you. It's not. It's not just your world and everybody else exists in it. There are other people impacted by what comes out of your mouth and the actions that you do. So to hybridize the two, to say there's an analytic self giving me feedback at all times about how I'm interacting with folks, as well as being aware of the content and process that goes on in every interaction. I think we can have more authentic relationships. I think we can build more um, real. Deep intimacy with with our friendships and our and our uh, loved ones, and I think that we ultimately will be healthier on the other end because we're not sitting there spinning in the drama. You know, there's when you were talking about that. There's one little thing that I want to to remind people: when if you and a loved one are able to say, "Okay, we want to come from a place of process. What's going on for you?" Which is going to sound a little weird if they haven't heard this podcast. Yeah, if they haven't talked, yeah. So tell your friends to listen to the podcast. <laughs> there's a risk. There, there's a chance. And if you, there's a vulnerability that comes from speaking from process, from the process, from process land. You know, it's content land is safe because we can, we can throw jabs. In content land, there's right and wrong. There's, there's factual. There's, did you come home at two o'clock this morning, or did you come home at one forty-five? Content. All my ears here is content. It's content. Yeah. It's, it's all there's. It's so easy to get lost in that. Now, when you take a moment and you're and you acknowledge and you're you're willing to go into process land, there is no right and wrong. There's no. It's it's not a matter of did you come home at one forty-five or two a.m. It it's not a matter. It's the response. It's it's a feeling. I was behind scared it. that you were. I was scared. I didn't hear car. from you. Right, and then you know, we, then we can get into things like primary emotions and secondary emotions. But yeah. the idea being that um, there's no debate if there. you're going to, there's no debate, there's no debate, and if you're going to go into process, this is just this is the one thing that that I would throw out to listeners, to my clients. If we start this, if we start the the, the conversation on a process level, we have to make an agreement 
that we're not going to take that process and use it as a weapon. We ca it cannot, because then what happens is the process then becomes a content thing. It becomes amen. Yeah, yeah. It point. becomes a thing that we start to do battle over. We're doing battle over whether or not you came home at two or one forty-five. Now we're starting to do battle over your feelings, and that's very dangerous. Which so, is not to be debated. Which is not to be debated. It's it's a that's that's it's your personal. that's you can't, can't your right. That's your experiential. That's your experience. So you have to be mindful of that. If you, you know, that's kind of the thing about the relation, the a true genuine relationship. When we're talking about trust and risk and vulnerability, those really beautiful, wonderful uh, connections that we have, that we're able to just bring the walls down. The things that keep us, you know, in, in the in the rest of the world, keep us safe and protect us. We have to have those connections that we can drop those walls and be one hundred percent who we are vulnerable, just let it out there. It's such an amazing experience. And if you can honor that, if, if, if a couple or a family can honor that process, it's, it's very wonderful. But the caveat, the, 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 the warning, I guess the warning label that I would throw on that is that if you guys go into process and you really start working it, you have to be prepared for hearing something that you don't want to hear or something that's going to be uncomfortable for you. And then you have to check yourself and make sure that you don't use that as a weapon. That's just a number one thing that I, that and, I want to throw And, and this isn't about jumping the other person for using it as a weapon against you. You don't have any control over what they do. You have control over what you do. And as long as you don't do it, as long as you create a warm, safe, caring space for, for emotions and process to be expressed... Chances are pretty good that nobody's going to do it to you. They're not. They're not going to. They're not going to reciprocate and weaponize your experience if you're not doing it. So, again, uh, this isn't a substitute for psychotherapy. We we tend to you know we tend to go a little deep on these things because is it because me? we want like, I don't know like last yeah, couple times you. we've met like do I have poor boundaries? I mean, no, 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 no. It's just uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just never going to have you back on as a guest. No, <laughs> oh, I like talking about this stuff, man. It's no, cool. it, it, no, it is good, and I and I kid, but um, we we don't run noggin notes podcast simply to stay in intellect uh, because that that's nice and it's useful, but it's more useful if you can apply it. So what we're trying to do here is take a lot of the intellectual concepts that get tossed about that you can read about in almost any book and give you real practical feedback on how they can be applied in life. And that's really all counseling is anyway. But um, this is a generic format, and counseling is specific to the user. So, again, this is not a, not a substitute for professional counseling. We invite you to seek professional counseling. I, I mean, I have, I, have a th I have two therapists. I have a, an individual and a, and a couples for me and my wife. I'm a therapist, and I have therapists. And that's appropriate because doctors have doctors. They don't sit there and spin in their own world saying, I don't need medical treatment because I'm a doctor. We get afflicted with stuff and we want to go seek help from other people. And, and I think the long view on my career is that I want people to go out and talk easily about their mental struggles and their emotional upheaval as, as much as they do about a broken bone or uh, you know a black eye. Destigmatize. So, yeah, totally. So, of course, we're going to go into these these topics in, in depth. And uh, and if this stirs something within you, definitely reach out and seek professional help. The Google machine is wonderful. 
But if you don't want to use the Google machine, you just want to type addresses straight into the URL address bar, then uh, aamft.org and the therapist locator are, you know, is a good place to start. Psychologytoday.com is uh, a good place to start. Jesse and I are both on psychologytoday.com. And uh, mind.org.uk and sane.org.uk are great places to go to. I also want to uh, note that NAMI, uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness in the United States, is a great place to go to for great resources. Um, they're they're peer driven, so uh, that's everything that they do is free, and they're a, they're a grass they're the the grassroots of grassroots organizations. So. Feel free to reach out to us. I already listed off the email addresses before, but info at nogginotes.com and info at zephyrwellness.org. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us on behalf of Zephyr Wellness and Noggin Notes and Jesse. Thanks for having Jesse. me, Jake. I appreciate yeah. it. Right, thanks for coming back again, and we'll do this uh, more often as, uh, as listener audience grows. We wish you great mental health. Mm-hmm.